0: right welcome to the mindworks podcast with dre and kev we are back welcome back welcome back and today we're going to talk about mental health in relation to fitness and healthy eating so on that regard i just want to start off by saying like i as a therapist always promote fitness regimens with my clients um really depends on the individual i think like You know, when you deal with a lot of people who suffer from depression and anxiety, you know, you want to, like, measure their resilience and their self-efficacy. You don't want to push, like, the idea of fitness too strong on individuals that kind of have that lack of motivation or that fatigue from the depression that they're suffering from. That could definitely get in the way of people's motivations and desires and, and willingness to engage in exercise routines and even healthy eating. So, you know, I really do believe that, you know, exercise can be very beneficial for people's mental health. I mean, I've seen it happen. I've seen uh, people, you know, engage in fitness and things like that uh, and become, you know, better within their depressions. I think anxiety is a little different, though. Like, I I feel like I have worked with individuals that do exercise on a daily basis, but still suffer from anxiety, which is pretty interesting. Food and
1: fitness, I think, is two very important components when it comes to mental health. Mm -hmm. Not only what we are consuming and how is that working inside of our body Our, you know what chemicals we're eating but also our fitness in the sense of how much are we moving our bodies there is no mental health without physical health so I'm super excited to get really into this topic I personally think hey man you got to have some sort of physical health you have to have some sort of I don't, it, it, it doesn't have to always be for appearance purposes. It doesn't have to be a um, just so you can look cute in the mirror, right? It's just so you can, your body can be limber. It can be moved around like a car. You want a car to be smooth. You want the oil to be changed. You want everything to be in condition. It doesn't matter if you're a minivan or a Ferrari, right? <laughs> like you want your car to be in a good condition to carry you around for a good majority of your life.
0: Exactly. And I think that, yeah, you have, you definitely have a point. I mean, definitely, you know, one thing that I do want to talk about, however, is like, um, you know, I feel like sometimes people can um, find an imbalance in the amount of times that they do exercise. Mm. Like, I think, th- I think there is a such thing as over-exercising. Really? Yeah. I think like, um, you know, if you're pushing your body to like two hours a day, two hours a day in the gym for seven days a week, I mean, I think at that point you're probably like sublimating which is like a defense mechanism that means like you, whenever you're going through some sort of stressful time in your life or something stressful is happening, you sort of have like this the de- ego defense mechanism called sublimation where you sort of sublimate your stresses into more like uh, positive endeavors or behaviors and things like that. And I feel like sometimes, when, I mean, when you think about it, it's interesting because, you know, like uh, when you ask somebody like, okay, what coping mechanisms can you uh, – implement into your life in order to cope with your stress and your problems of your life. And most people would always say something along the lines like exercise. Yeah. So, you know, like I always think like, so then is exercise can exercise carry to a form of sublimating?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Definitely. And I think exercise looks different for different people. I think some folks are better off doing more cardio. Some folks are better off doing more heavy lifting, I think it also depends on your gender as well. Mm-hmm. I think that plays a role. Your age as well. Your genetic disposition as well. So, you know, some people have different kind of bodies. Like I know some of my friends, they have like Viking blood, right? And they're like, oh, <laughs> like stocky, like with the brolic calves. And yeah, shit. <laughs> like me, I'm just like a hyper extended indigenous uh, blood. You know, like most of my people are from the mountains of Ecuador, right? Mm-hmm. So they, and this is where food comes into play. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I feel that a lot of the the what made me now as an adult physically was my teenage years eating a lot of McDonald's mm-hmm. and a lot of hormones and I drank a lot of cow milk. And I just feel that all of those hormones that I was consuming, I even worked at McDonald's so I got free food. That Overextended my body. I'm like uh, six three. That's not natural. McDonald's? Yeah, oh, that's not man. natural for my genetic <laughs> disposition. Like my yeah. folks aren't that tall. My <clears throat> grand grand grandparents weren't that tall. Mm. Um, so I think yeah, the food has so much to do with it. And luckily, I didn't go outward. I went upward. You know, I was very mm. active mm. playing playing basketball, swimming, yeah, same, and all these here. things. So I didn't. You know, some of some of us go outward and mm. we get obese. Mm. And hey. I know like nowadays we don't even like to use the term obese because it's all like this inclusive language. I'm oh, talking stuff. about the culture the,
0: the diet culture and the culture itself in terms of like yeah. uh, you know, weight culture and stuff like that. Body positivity. Body positivity. So Is that a bad thing for society? Uh, you know, I think in yeah. in, a late, in later episodes we're definitely gonna talk about uh social cognitive learning. And, you know, I think that like um if you're spreading this message to an entire population of body positivity that it's okay to be fat, yeah. that it's okay to be obese, you know, like that, that's actually kind of counterproductive in b- making people believe that that's, you know, like to health in general. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I don't think that's a good thing to really uh, portray to people that you know body positivity, like it's okay to be fat. I call it the Lizzo effect. The Lizzo effect.
1: Right. That that's that's supposed to be. You're supposed to. Uh, you know celebrate that
0: and i mean I, 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 I that's celebrate i just think you should just whoa. be more mindful of it and like i guess use science once again you know science. i'm saying like they want you to celebrate
1: your whatever your physique weight you are
0: yeah but like you know you like what does that do to like kids and shit and like people and like you know like that that influences people in the wrong way i think like i think you got to follow the science obviously obesity is bad there's Many different research studies that show that obesity is not a good thing. You know what's crazy, though? And we always go back, like, back in our days.
1: But back in our days, it was like we would talk about obesity. We would talk about, you know, uh, eating the right things and exercising. I feel like the last decade, that kind of faded away. I don't know how the high schools are now, but we used to have those health classes and we used to... Look at the fruits, the vegetables, mm-hmm. and, and everything that we put in our body. But now I just feel like we kind of went into a different,
0: a whole different side of things. And but we don't even talk that, about that it anymore. Supposedly that whole food pyramid thing was actually yeah, like wrong or something. That. And like off, that. like completely. Yeah, I think they try to make a new one, but they already lost their <clears throat> I, I
1: think credential.
0: One thing I'm going to say about diet culture today, I actually follow someone. She's a friend of mine. Her name is Michelle Shapiro, and she's a dietitian, I believe. Mm. And she always posts about, like, diet culture and things like that. And, um, you know, just seeing her posts, I feel like diet culture has, like, a lack of scientific evidence within it. Mm. I think there's, like, um, you know, I think, like, the science is always changing. So things that you hear today about dieting and stuff like that and the health effects is actually, like, um, you know, it's not as, like, uh, dominant or strong. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's definitely probably going to change later down the line, I think. That's you know crazy. like with science like yeah diet culture is taken on a whole new um subgroup of things and beliefs and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because you know, once again, I feel like people's bodies are different. Yeah. Like you were talking about how you're like slim and, and tall and stuff like that. And you know, me, myself like... I'm not that slim anymore. You know? <laughs> the gains over here. Yeah, I, I mean used to be, but like our natural body types I think if you go in the realm of identifying body types, I yeah. believe it was an ectomorph is somebody who's very skinny. Mm. Uh, a mesomorph is somebody who's like average weight and size. And an endomorph is more like a bigger bigger size thick. right like thick yeah. right i mean <laughs> the funny ass meme where it's like hey, yo. is this what is this what uh girls mean when they say i'm just big boned and it's like a big fat skeleton big bone i'm just big boned <laughs> yeah and that's crazy how this connects
1: like what you were saying to what we consume and your nutrition friend um i also believe mm-hmm. like our ancestors lived in different places of the world and ate different things as well. Like, Mm -hmm. I know that the infamous Jordan Peterson Mm -hmm. has gone into, like, the carnivorian diet where he just eats meat, Mm -hmm. probably, like, medium meat. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe that in his genetics and, you know, in his ancestors, wherever they came from, they were able to digest that and live with that. But, like, me and my ancestors, the Mm -hmm. Indios, you know, we ate more grains and, you know, we ate gooey, you know, that's a snake like, you, know, um, you know what You is? What is it's guinea pig Oh Ecuadorians shit. eat guinea pig in oh. the, But in La Sierra You know, okay. not, not in the city like, mm-hmm. But they do, right? So you gotta think about um, Fish, a lot of fish I come I'm costeno I'm from the coast So mm-hmm. we ate a lot of fish A lot of seafood so oh, I this think, Poncho
0: was actually made in Ecuador. By oh the way. Shout yeah, out. shout out that. to um, Equilama. That's the company. That's the name of the brand of the, of the Poncho. I really love yeah, this it's, thing. Fresh. it's So nice, looks warm. Equilama, it's it's, yeah. it's woven in Ecuador, made in Ecuador from Ecuadorian materials. Really awesome. Shout out to
1: Equilama for I'm the out Poncho. to my youngs, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it has a lot to do with it. it has yeah. a lot to do. Where
1: you come from? Where? Mm-hmm. How? What can your body? Man, I have a friend, mm-hmm. six pack, Jack. Mm-hmm. He can eat whatever, drink soda, eat McDonald's. Bro, I go two days eating junk food and not working out, and it's over. I, yeah. just, I get bloated. Oh I my lose God. All my muscle mass. It's its crazy. So I think genetic disposition has a lot to do with it.
0: Oh my God. Eating McDonald's, that shit is fucking disgusting. I, I can't even, I can't even like eat McDonald's. Last night I ate McDonald's, I feel like I got sick. Really? Yeah. Like it was just like I mood wise that, too. Like I felt depressed. I was like, yo, what yes. the hell is going on with me? Um, And I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, I ate McDonald's. Maybe that's what it was. Now talking about that, right? right. Microbiomes and the gut mm-hmm. and stuff. And how is microbiomes, lo- how is that connected with our central nervous system, which influences our mood and our behaviors and shit like that? Yeah. I, you know, and I think in more recent research findings, they're actually finding more connections between your microbiome and your gut. Because I think we have like 100 million microbiome cells within our guts. Yeah. And like... um. You know, this is why I think like when they when you when you take antibiotics versus like probiotics, it's like a whole different like sort of uh, influence it has on your system as an individual. Yeah. But like, um, you know, all that stuff is interesting. Another thing that I always question about eating and food is like, um, does does eating a stressed animal Ooh. cause stress within yourself? that that? Like, what do you think about that? Like, do you think like if I were eat like an animal that was tortured and like, cause I think like all those stress cells, they carry themselves into like their body, like their fat. Right. I mean, like when you think about the whole, uh, stress mechanism and stress system, you know, cortisol is a stress hormone that is pumped through the system in times of stress. So imagine an animal that knows it's about to die and get killed. You know, how much stress hormones are being pumped into their body on, on, on a different level, you know, like that, that can cause like, I don't know, some sort of effect. If you eat that meat, that like had a uh, a load of cortisol right into it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what do you think? Do you think that, that influences? So definitely
1: um, the reason I'm looking at my phone is I was looking at the microbiomes first, but I do want to talk about this, the stress mm-hmm. hormones. But the literature review established a strong link of microbiomes in the gastrointestinal tract, mm-hmm. affecting how individuals think, and how the gut-brain axis serves as an essential pathway in considering the management of several mental issues mm. and psychiatric illnesses. Damn,
0: I think it goes through like the, the what is it the vagus nerve or something yep, like that? It
1: goes through the vagus nerve. Yeah, so,
0: so like there's like a strong connection between like those microbiome cells and and the brain, basically. Yep. Through the brain, through the GI brain axis. Or whatever. Strong
1: evidence that strong if, evidence. if you are wow. intaking more processed foods, such as sausages, juices, soft drinks, sweets, mm. these prom-
0: promote and depression
1: wow, on, that, on some people.
0: I mean, I, I that's what I just said. Like, yeah. when I ate McDonald's, I felt, like, depressed. <laughs> 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 I, had, I had, like, a Big Mac, and then, like, I, a few hours later, I just felt, like, disgusted yeah. in myself and, like, ashamed of myself. And in terms of do the animals that we
1: kill and eat Affect our stress I think so I Mm. think there's Like kosher And I think they believe That probably as well Or halal Halal halal, They like slit
0: the Animal's neck So it's like the fastest Way to die Without being stressed out Jeez Have you ever uh, Saw a pig die A pig like squeals And cries Man bro you make me Want to become Vegetarian (laughs) (laughs) You
1: know what I'm saying Like these They have These same chemicals That we have They have as well So you gotta think They they shoot all those Chemicals into their bodies And their muscles And Mm we 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 go and we eat it and i'm hungry yeah <laughs> i mean
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of hungry myself but like I mean like you know it's it's, it's an interesting thing to think about like how does yeah. the stress levels from that animal that just died how does it influence your body and does it influence your body I mean that's an interesting question I don't know <laughs> I'm not like a, a dietitian or a GI doctor so right. I, I, you know I'm just a mental health counselor but what I could say about dieting and stuff like that is that yeah I do think like you know weight can carry a huge effect on people's depression and anxieties and even body image problems yeah. like body dysmorphia and things like that and Ooh. once again and that's why like i feel like um some people really sublimate by going to the gym to get over those those um those you know the stress that they're uh dealing with within their lives and i think like you know it's great and all to hit up the gym and stay f- fit and, and and exercise and be healthy and all but where do you draw the line if you're overdoing it and how do you know you're overdoing it facts
1: facts I mean, and just- i think also the correlation between you know 90% of our serotonin is produce, produced produce in our gut I heard that yesterday. Oh, I brought wow. that in the podcast today. Interesting, nice. uh, But it is, it is interesting because, I you know, and I think going back also and talking about, like, the phallic stage, phyridium, uh, the first oral stage, mm-hmm. and thinking about, you know, what our pleasure sensors tell us, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, we're eating these foods that our brain is saying, mm, it's producing these good chemicals, happy chemicals in our brain, and we're like, oh, this tastes good, so I should consume more. And I think that a lot of, especially nowadays, where we're heavily used corn syrup on a lot of our things, we use a lot of sugars on a lot of our ingredients. I think that it's a it's easy for us to get addicted to these foods and just kind of, like, just ha- want pleasure. Like, you want to sit down, watch Netflix with, a, with some Oreos and milk and some popcorn. You just want to keep, you know, you get that boost of dopamine and serotonin for the moment, but then you deal with the ramifications
0: of it later. Yeah. I mean, it's another thing like too, like, you know, some people get pleasure and enjoyment from eating those type of foods. Right. But like, it's, it's like, I guess it's all about balance. Honestly. Like, I think like if you consume too much fat, that's not good. You consume too much sugar. That's not good. I think it's like, should be more like a balanced level of of, consumption, you know, I think, but you have to know subjectively what your balance level is because I believe everyone's body is different. Definitely. And to be honest with you guys, like in my own clinical work, when it comes to people like clients uh, dieting, you know, to be honest with you, like I I don't, you know, that's something that I don't really dive into as much. Maybe I should dive into that more. But from what I remember working with individuals, you know, I think like, yeah, like individuals that eat more processed foods tend to have more like depressive like symptoms, you know, and I I think that's something that I've noticed, but I don't hone in on. So like, you know, I'm not going to generalize that. At all, but I mean, the research study kind of uh, says that kind of the one that you just sort of brought out yeah. with the processed foods and things like that. So it, it would make sense. Um, I always tell people, once again, you know, I'm a mental health counselor. I'm not a dietitian, I'm right. not a nutritionist. So that's not my field. I always just tell people, like, you know, go to um, a dietitian or talk to someone within that field about healthy eating because I think that's a big part of mental health. But I do believe that mental health counselors and, and therapists and social workers should be more educated on this field. Yeah, like I think this is a very important field. If you're dealing with people's mental health, and there's a connection between mental health and diet, that we should be uh, learning more about this as mental health counselors and 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 social workers and, and therapists. and exercise. Well, exercise, I yeah. you know I already um, you know I mean we do teach like health psychology. Yeah. So like health psychology has you know those, those classes have all that stuff and knowledge within the effects of dieting and exercise and how it has like a positive turn on your psychological well being. But, you know, we should learn it more in depth. (laughs) Yeah. Like this whole microbiome thing, the research article you introduced, like I think that's stuff that will be beneficial for us as therapists to know about, to use in our work with people.
1: Yeah. So I heard a quote, which I think is awesome. and It says, good food tastes bad, bad food tastes good. And the goal is to make good food taste good and bad food taste bad. So if you know that that McDonald's is going to be bad, I think part of it is having the cognitive strength mm. to say this is actually this actually tastes bad. Mm. And, you know, that bowl of vegetables and salad is going to be good for you. Having that cognitive restructuring and saying mm. this food actually tastes good mm. and it's doing me good.
0: Yeah, that's crazy because, you know, once again, going into the whole social cognitive learning theory, it's such a big thing. This whole yeah. episode. Um, this whole season, uh, like, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because yeah, they like the media portrays a lot of like these foods and diet and like, you know, fast foods to be like the thing. Those are like the ads you see more often on like subways, buses, TV, things like that are mostly fast food, uh, like products. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't see a commercial of like a nice, like, um, you know, a uh, salad or something like that or. Some other, other processed food. I didn't food. think of that. You just see, you, don't, you know, but it's because it's all, like, monopolized. You know, right. it's like fast food restaurants are a, a monopoly. So they have the money and they have the uh, frequency and, like, the, the, um, the, quali- the, the quantity to do that of restaurants. Right. You know, because they're all over the place. But, like, you have, like, these smaller business restaurants. You know, they don't, they're not going to spend ads to promote their stuff on the television ad that's, you know, like, cost so much money. Like, they don't have the means to do that. Yeah. So it kind of like fucks up society to some extent, having us eat all these like foods and make it seem like it's good. It's probably not when it really is not.
1: And to go full circle, I think it also connects to pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. Because once you become older and you got high cholesterol, you got diabetes and you got all these pills. Now, not only are you still consuming all these horrible foods, but now you have you're feeding the pharmaceutical companies. They got you all this money. I remember when I got my new insurance, I was like, you know what? Let me go for primary care oh, and no. check things out.
0: You got high cholesterol, didn't you?
1: No, uh, no. I, I did have bad cholesterol, <laughs> high back cholesterol, but I was eating too much pork. Yes. Uh, okay, yes, yeah. I eat pork. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I was so surprised by was how quick they were to write prescriptions. And yeah. I went to my primary care, she wrote three prescriptions. I went to another specialist. They wrote two prescriptions. I went to an allergist. They wrote two prescriptions. It was yeah. like they were so quick to write prescriptions. And not, not once did they talk about nutrition. Not once did they talk about my exercise. Not once did they talk about uh, a, a counseling or therapy or none of those things. They were so quick to uh, put a Band-Aid on things because, hey, they get paid for it. Every time they sign one of those slips, they're getting money, believe Damn, it or not. it's
0: crazy. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, we don't we don't talk about holistic wellness, holistic health
0: overall. Yeah. It's crazy. Kind of like just quick to write the prescription. Not talk about the whole what's going on within your life, what's going on in your See daily routine. Like, what's going on with this. Yeah, I always I, try to, like, implement holistic approaches with clients that suffer from, like, obesity or, like, you know, I always tell them, talk to a dietician, talk to a personal trainer. You know, this is how we're going to get things in line. You know, you have to be more motivated. You have to reframe and cognitively restruct how you look at exercise and things like that. Don't look at it like it's a job. Don't look at it. Don't add any negative connotations to it. Switch up your schema of exercise and diet. Exactly like you were saying. All those things help. I've had I, I've had a client who was like like 380 pounds. And like I worked with him for like a year and a half. And he came out of therapy with like at 240. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, because like it was, he was, but he was doing the work. Like yeah. he was talking to like a, a dietitian, he was talking to a personal trainer, he was talking to me, he was talking to his doctors. He had everything lined up. He was doing what he had to do. He was doing it the correct way, mm-hmm. and he and he gained and he gained something out of it. And you know, it took him like a couple of years, but it takes time when you're that obese. Yeah, and I kept telling him. He was like very, very upset, very depressed. Always telling me, "Hey, like you know, I don't know if I'm, you know, like I'm feeling sad. Like I don't think I'm going to be working out this week." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> Like, don't do that. Don't fall into the pit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you got to keep going, man. Keep going. And then, you know, he, at the end of our sessions, because we terminated, he thanked me so much because it wasn't for me keeping accountability or, like, helping him with the cognitive reframing and stuff like that. He doesn't think he would have ever lost the weight that he lost. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's wild. Success story. Yeah, that's a that's mm-hmm. a great success story. And, yeah. I, and I would say I, I hit the gym pretty frequently. What I try to do is just give you a little tip if this helps. I try not to miss more than two days at the gym. So a week. A week yeah. So minimum I'm going three days a week if you Same. pan out the seven days. Yeah. Minimum three usually is five to six. And I always tell myself, especially those days I don't feel like going, sixty percent of the times I don't want to go to the gym. A hundred percent of the times I'm glad I did.
0: Exactly. And yeah. I tell
1: myself that I'm like, look, bro, you don't I know you don't want to go. But guess what? Every single time when I exit the gym, I'm so happy that I went every single time. One
0: hundred percent of the time I leave the gym, I'm happy I went. Great. I mean, but one, one thing I'm going to say is like, you know, to stay motivated in the gym, you have to fall in love with it. Like you have to really reframe your mindset into like loving the gym and you have the power to do that. You just have to learn how to do it. Like um, like one thing that I always fell in love with. I. About going into the gym, was that sore feeling that you get? Yeah. Love that sore feeling. Yeah. I learned how to, like, fall in love with that sore feeling. Like, right now, my legs are a little sore because I did leg day. On, Uh-oh. On, Don't uh, miss leg days, guys. Wednesday. And do not skip leg day. Don't skip leg <laughs> Don't day. Don't skip leg day. Um, very, that's like, if you're, like, if you have, like, the ectomorph body type, like, if you're very skinny... That is the way that you're going to gain weight is working out your legs because your legs are the biggest muscle groups within your body. Your glutes is your biggest muscle group. So you want to do your squats. You want to do your deadlifts. If you want to gain weight and you're a skinny individual, you got to do the deadlifts. you got to do the legs. You can't skip leg day. When I started working out, so here's my fitness journey. So my fitness journey was when I started working out, I would only weighed 130 pounds. Wow! I was 130 pounds at the age of 21. That's what I curled. I started realizing that like I can't be living this way at this age because everyone of my friends are like bigger and, and stronger and stuff like that. And I don't want to live this way. Yeah. So I changed my lifestyle. I changed my lifestyle around. I started hitting up the gym. I didn't take protein or anything like that. I just went all natural at first and I enjoyed it. I felt like the protein because I went to the gym a few times before actually going hard into it. And I feel like the protein kind of slows you down a little bit because it's so heavy, especially if you're drinking like the, the mass gainer proteins. Mm. Like I, w- I would suggest someone who's skinny and starting off, do not drink mass gainer proteins. It's going to hurt your stomach and it's going to make you just feel like the unmotivated slug- sluggishness. Um, that's me personally, though. Like that's how I felt. You don't drink protein now? No, I don't use protein. Oh. Um, I, I used to. There was phases. I had my phases where I would use protein and creatine and things like that and yeah. like, try to build up. And honestly, like when I did that, I, I didn't notice the bigger gains. But like the, um, but like I started off at 130 pounds and I started working out for like six months straight, went to the gym five days a week, um, did leg day. Sometimes I did it twice a week. And in in just six months, I went up to like 140. So I gained like 10 pounds within six months, which is good because I have an extremely fast metabolism and I was happy to see the results. And as I continued for another six months, I then went up to 160 pounds. So within a year I went, I gained 30 pounds. Within a year, gains, and I and I gained it. And I now my average weight is always around like 175 to 180 pounds muscle. Yeah, like because I'm I'm thin. I'm wearing a poncho because you know we're talking about body uh, positivity and stuff <laughs> like that. So I don't want you guys to see my body while we talk right. about this. Right? Stuff. Don't judge him on that. Don't judge
1: him on that. <laughs> but I think a big thing too is when you talk about metabolism, is the age as mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah, my metabolism you know, slow down Yeah, man, we're in our 30s We're kind of old, old guys, OGs over here So, you know, I think it, that is something to consider And I'm going to throw this in there and Even though you, you might not like it or not But also gender and age plays a huge role Because biologically mm-hmm. Women in their mid-20s to 30s They start to put on some fat And it's because Earth, Mother Earth is saying, "Okay, you at this point you need to get pregnant, have children, <laughs> whether you need to or not. You know, it's that's kind of like that's the phase in your life where nature is just saying you need extra fat to make sure that you survive, so you your kids your your offspring, offspring survives as well. And men is very similar as well, um, where we do also start to get a little bit more fat as we get older because biologically we as hunter gatherers or whatever when we had to go out. You know, once we understood that once we aged, we weren't able to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So we needed to have more stored energy mm-hmm. in our bodies as well. So I think that age has a lot to do with it as yeah. well.
0: No, of course. No, age has a lot to do with it. Yeah, definitely your metabolism. Well, my metabolism personally has slowed down. Uh, so I do more like Where cardio and stuff like that. And I've been trying to like lose weight actually. And it's been a little difficult <laughs> to lose weight now. Yeah, to lose weight, it's been a little difficult for me. I'm not gonna sure, lie, like crazy. I'm at like 179 pounds. I, I want to go down to at least 170. Um, you yeah, gotta train with me, bro. Yeah, I got I got. Yeah. Well, I've just been doing more cardio. <laughs> I've been running, but stuff like that. I hate but, running. You know, like yeah. I mean, no, I actually fell in love with running. Running right. gives me energy. That's what I realized if you do oh. cardio, you gain more energy throughout the day, throughout the weeks. Like I feel more energized when I when I do my cardio. I always run like a mile before my actual workout. You know, I always do cardio now before workouts. Nice. And that's how I do it.
1: Definitely do what works for you. Some yeah, people you are to runners.
0: Out, yeah. I'm more of a bicycle guy. I like to be in
1: a bicycle. I'm a swimmer. I like to go in the pool. So it's, you know, he's a runner. People have your little cardio. I used to do calisthenics, just straight calisthenics, nothing else. Just pull-ups, dips, push-ups, sit-ups. Mm-hmm. And then I started hitting the gym once I got the consistency and started doing more all around. But I don't do squats. I don't do deadlifts because I have a herniated disc. Yeah, you know, So everyone's different. Yeah. Just You got to do what works for you. And...
0: With nutrition and fitness, yeah. So, like you know, other ways to get motivated into the gym are basically to like you know engage in gym related stuff. Like, start following fitness people on Instagram. uh, Start watching fitness related movies. There's a really good movie that actually motivated me. Well, two movies that really motivated me to get in the gym was Pumping Iron by Arnold Schwarzenegger, which was a yeah, yeah,
1: get to the chopper.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Arnold's originator Pumping Iron was a great movie uh, a documentary of his fitness uh, journey and it was it motivated me to get into the gym as well it's a lot of funny scenes within that movie and then another movie was uh, No Pain No Gain with Mark mm. Wahlberg and The Rock Yeah, that movie was funny as as, as hell I love that movie that movie was hilarious but these are this is, these are the ways that I got myself into the gym I just watched things I, I followed influencers that were gym motivated like that were all about the gym yeah. um you know, like there's there's a lot of ways that you can get motivated into the gym and you got to figure it out on your own if that's what you're looking for. But you really just got to put it into your perspective and your cognition so you can make that journey and make that movement happen.
1: Yeah. And do it for health reasons, man. Just do it for health reasons more than just Looks. how you look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Do it because it makes you feel good and keeps your body limber. Oh, yeah. It keeps your chemicals in your body good. It give, it feeds you natural uh, dopamine, serotonin, all these chemicals that are gonna help you with moods, depression, and all that good stuff. So, you know, do it for that first.
0: I'm telling you, every client that I worked with gets in the gym. I always make that a very important aspect of therapy is to like get in some some form of uh, exercise, whether it's swimming, something that you like to do. Just get in the gym, get in, get somewhere physical, start moving. Don't just sit at home all day. And that's like one big theme that I, that I make important in in my sessions in my therapy sessions and i noticed that and it's great because i always hear my clients coming back like yeah i went to the gym like three or four times this week and some clients become like gym rats even though when i first started working with them they were never in the gym right and like i'm happy that i make that progress in people i actually help people in that realm and like i remember even my supervisor uh, when i used to work in the clinic she told me she's like One of your greatest strengths is that you influence people to stay physically motivated. And I noticed that because you always talk about that with your clients. And she even told me, even myself, Andre, you got me in the gym without even realizing it. But I started going to the gym because you kept talking to me about how you talk to your clients about going to the gym. And I started going to the gym, too. Wow. Yeah. I got to get with this guy, man. I got to get around, man. Yeah. I just, I, I, you know, I give that energy and even sometimes like, you know, I've even worked out with students before, like, yeah. like in, 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 colleges. Like when I was teaching at Queensborough community college, I would, I would tell the students after class, like when I was teaching a Saturday morning class, I was like, Hey guys, let's go to the gym afterwards. Who wants to go down with, who wants to go work with me? And students would be down and they'd come and work out with me. I work out with students too, like yeah. in the school. <laughs>
1: I think also, I don't know, something just popped up in my head is like when you're someone who has a lot of energy and you seem like someone who has a lot of energy, <laughs> I feel like you need healthy places to let go of that oh, and yeah. express that and relieve that. I'm a person like that as well, where it's like I just have so much bottled in me. Like I, if I don't go to the gym, I, my night is probably going to be a little bit more restless mm-hmm. when well, i that-
0: that's an interesting thing that you point out about having energy because yeah. um, it goes into personality. So, mm-hmm. like you know, I, I'm I'm rated high in extroversion. Like I'm an extrovert. Like I'm I'm probably like when I took a personality test, I think I was about like 72% extroverted. Yeah. And um, you know, extroverts are known to seek stimulation. Oh. So this is why introverts even if you work with people, you notice that the introverts have a tougher time going into the gym. Because not just because of their shyness, but because they just feel like everything their their nervous system is naturally already stimulated, so they don't mm-hmm. seek stimulation as much or feel a need to. So introverts are probably less likely to go into the gym and do things like that and be productive. But the extroverts are more about that life right. because we need that stimulation. Like we kind of search for it in many different areas of our lives. So it's like very it has, there's a person there's an internal disposition there within people's personalities that drive them to the gym. Or don't drive them to the gym. Yeah. So, you know, that's the difference between introverts and extroverts. Yeah. Really interesting. Or just
1: fitness in general. It doesn't even have to be the gym, right? Go running. Yeah, like fitness in general. And also another
0: personality trait. Yeah, another personality trait that goes into, like, fitness journeys and dieting and stuff like that is conscientiousness. Mm. People who are rated high in conscientiousness also have more of a proneness to be going into the gym and taking care of their bodies. People who are actually rated high in conscientiousness actually live longer. Yeah, people who are very conscientious live longer. I mean, it just makes sense. Right. You're conscientious about what you're eating, how you're exercising, planning things, organizing things. Yeah, you're going to live longer. I mean, it's a personality trait. I'm I'm a big fan of just starting small and just starting with
1: small efforts and working <clears throat> on consistency rather than results.
0: That's another thing.
1: I think that it's very important. That's how I started. Well, I most of my life, I've always been very active. But as an adult in like the last two, three years after the pandemic, like I didn't kind of know kind of fitness. And I was like 200, just fat. Mm -hmm. Then I went down 170, 175, 180. Now I'm around 190. But I started with just leaving my house and just going to the playground where they have pull ups and push ups. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, some days I would just go and I would just look at it. I'll do a push-up and I'll leave. But at the end of the day, I left my house and I went over there. And I think that consistency, that consistent effort for eight to nine months, I remember, um, helped me when I did then get my – then I got my gym pass. And then now I'm in the gym and it's like I already have the consistency where the inconsistency feels weird.
0: Yeah, that's, it becomes like a habit. Yeah.
1: So like I think I, yeah. I think that's the goal, to get to a point – again going back where good food good healthy food tastes good bad food tastes bad and the same thing like healthy habits in the gym are good no habits in the gym are bad you know like it's like restructuring your brain man Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. It's very interesting that you know you mentioned that like the whole you know restructuring and things like that and um, habit right habit building yeah you know once again like it takes like a, a 30 days to build a habit if you're consistent you know what i mean but for some everyone's a little different so don't like follow that general rule and yeah. you know objectively say that that's the truth everyone's different but at least like about 30 days of of ex, like you know 30 days of creating a habit you can you can you know will manifest into a habit like yeah. you gain um more knowledge you'll you'll learn more about you know exercising whatever form it is that you want to take But it's very important. And then, like, yeah, like, nowadays when I don't go to the gym, I feel like something's wrong. Yeah. Like, it became so habitualized within myself that, like, now when I don't go, it's like I'm doing something wrong. We're creatures of habits.
1: I like that. I like how you mentioned that. We're creatures of habits, mental and physical habits. Um, Our cognitive patterns, our our beliefs is all just – Habits and what what, what, we, what what we've seen In the past and how that correlates to what we're seeing In the present mm-hmm. and I think that I'm gonna Throw in a pitch there where A lot of times I know it could be A struggle I know it could be tough And I'm gonna promote therapy I'm gonna promote Counseling uh, because You know it's kind of getting that Guy like Dre to <laughs> give you that extra Push you yeah. know getting that guy like Dre to give you that empathy To give you that insight Into what's going on in your brain, so you can fully understand it, and you could be more self-aware of what is going on up here, and how that is resulting in what's going on out here.
0: Exactly. No, good point. I mean, you know, it sounds, you know, yeah, it's definitely important to like, you know, talk to someone, have that sort of someone hold the accountability to some extent. I mean, it kind of like meshes into the into the lines of like um, life coaching and therapy, kind of sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, like, I try, I try to be mindful of that. But, you know, I think, you know, health, you know, uh fitness and, and and dieting and well-being is all part of well-being. Yeah. Like, I think that's just all part of, you know, nature and, and well-being. I think it's important to emphasize on those things with clients. And I see the difference that clients, you know, report to me when when they've made that change and they're constantly in the gym versus a year ago when they weren't even hitting up the gym at all and I promoted that to them. Yeah, And I, I love one of the main things that I personally love as a therapist is when I'm working with teenagers that are starting to get into the gym. Like, you know, just the other day I had a client and, you know, I'm working with the, with the sister of, that, of this client that I used to work with. So I used to work with her brother and her brother was younger, like about 15 years old, 14, 15 years old. And like, I would always talk to him about like, you know, uh, getting into the gym, getting more fit and stuff like that. And then a couple years later or within a year or two later, I started working with his sister. And his sister tells me a little bit about him, and he's like, she's like, oh, you know, he actually started hitting up the gym. Now. Nice, like he's hitting up the gym like two, three times a week. Nice. You know, that made me feel like, oh, damn, like I, I, did, I got it, I got it. Yeah, you got the magic I, juice. I got man. it, man. Like she told me that, I was like, Matt, happy. Shout out to that family. Like, you know, I love, you know, I appreciate the work that you, you guys, you know, like working with you guys, and I appreciate working with that, with that family. It's yeah. a really great family. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's um, this is, this is what it is, right? I mean, this is how you like how do you motivate someone to get into the gym i guess is the next question right like how do you start you just start talking about it start exploring it start like analyzing why aren't you in the gym like what what is like the reason you don't want to go to the gym you know what i mean like what are the reasons why you would want to go to the gym you know there's many different ways and then like you said before like the whole cognitive restructuring thing about the gym i always just tell people fall in love with that sore feeling fall in love with the soreness that's that's where the motivation lies, because it's a feeling, it's a physical reaction you get from exercise. It's a soreness. It knows. It, it's like a feeling of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. It's your body telling you I that like you that. did something. Yeah, you know, like, and that's good. Like, even though it sucks to be sore, you rub that shit out. <laughs>
1: yeah, I
0: like that. That's you know a mean?
1: W. You put a W in your
0: belt. Yeah, I like that. But anyway, so this is the um, the theme of today's episode was the idea of like you know. Um, Just healthy eating, fitness. I guess like you know, avoiding like the idea of gluttony and overeating and things like that. And you know, man, we didn't even talk about veganism.
1: I can't do veganism. (laughs) I tried it for two months, and I was I became mad skinny, and it's not for me. Yeah, veganism is. Yeah,
0: it's like, and then you're Uh, like, how does that affect your mental health? Were you down in your mood, or like I was like like
1: hyper wired because I'm Mm. like trying to devour something. Like I needed some food, you know, and I was. That wasn't, that wasn't good. What do ve- w- vegans eat? Like water or something? Uh, Oreos? I mean, is it eat... Oreos vegan?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> are you a real
1: vegan or are you a vegan? Because I've met vegans who eat Oreos and they'll eat Beyond Meat I, burgers, I, which I, has like trillions of other chemicals that are even worse thirsty. than vegan. Yeah, you know? like,
0: like yeah. I don't know, man. I have this um, thing against vegan. Like, I don't know. I would never become a vegan. I just wouldn't be happy. I feel like I would be like so miserable. Yeah. Like and that's important. Like you want to have a good mood. You don't want to yeah. like 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 deplete yourself of like what this earth can give you of happiness. Like right. You want that meat. You want the meat. The hey, the, yo. the, the, the <laughs> you <laughs> want like the vegetable. I mean, you want to just eat food. You know what I mean. But no. all right, man. But anyway, we'll leave it off here for today. Uh, you know, tune in to our next episode. Don't forget to subscribe on the bottom over here. And let's uh leave it at this. All right. Peace.
1: Peace.